You're listening to Behind the Impact, the podcast that looks at how the most philanthropic companies on the planet are making impact as told by the very change makers that make it happen. Hello and welcome to episode number one of Behind the Impact. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. In this episode, Optimizely's head of social impact, John Leonard, joins me to have a conversation about how he got into the profession and also give us a glimpse into Optimizely's social impact program. I definitely got a lot out of this conversation and I know you will too. Now, let's get into the show. You are the very first guest on the Behind the Impact podcast. So, you know, I really appreciate you taking time to chat about Optimizely's social impact program. So, to kick things off, what I would like to do is learn more about you and your background and how you got into social impact. Well, first, congratulations, Jeremy, on launching the podcast. Um, I've uh, watched as Startups Give Back has really uh, grown and evolved over these last few years and, and provided so many terrific programs and resources to the community. So this is just the next step in your, uh, your growing empire. So I'm thrilled to be the first guest. So I've been at Optimizely for about five and a half years uh, running the corporate social responsibility program there. And prior to that, all of my work had been in the nonprofit and government sector. So <clears throat> I'd worked for a local health department. I was an aide uh, to a, a big city mayor. Um, I was the senior vice president and advertising agency that did campaigns for nonprofits and government agencies. So, um, and I was the nonprofit executive director of a, um, an organization, uh, an LGBT organization working on HIV prevention in Seattle toward the beginning of my career. So um, I, I've done a lot of uh, different things and it all sort of led me ultimately to um, jump into the corporate social responsibility world. I'd never worked in the private sector before, but I had a lot of experience in, in program development and communications um, in, um, you know, in social impact from a, a different sector perspective. So um, they wanted someone to start the program at Optimizely who had that type of a background, who could, um, who, who really understood the nonprofit space and could bridge, uh, bridge between sectors. So, um, yeah, they hired me. Uh, I'm not sure why, um, <laughs> but they did. And, um, uh, and yeah, it's been uh, almost six years now and it's been, been a great experience. I, I mean, to be honest, I wasn't sure at first if I was gonna love it because I'd never worked in that type of a setting before. I never worked for a tech company. I never worked for you know, uh, a tech startup. And you know, the folks that I work with are, they, they've just, they're, they're just really smart, really passionate about what they do. And they've, um, from the senior leadership down to the you know, individual contributors across the, the company, they've just, um, uh, they support this work. I mean, most of the, the folks are, um, you know, they're, they're millennials. They uh, are of a, a generation that really cares about wanting to make the world a better place. And they uh, expect that in the um, companies that they work for, that they're gonna be able to have an opportunity to um, do work that's meaningful, that uh, makes a difference, that uh, gives them a chance to, um, uh, to have an impact in, in a way that's important to them. So um, it's, uh, it's turned out to be a, a, great, uh, a great job for somebody who, who, who spent his formative years 
in the nonprofit trenches. And when you first joined Optimizely, did they already have something in mind around what they wanted to do social impact wise, or was it kind of on you to figure out what that thing was going to be and how the actual program was going to be developed over time? The company was actually one of the first um, members of Pledge 1%, which is a, a really a movement that was launched by Salesforce a number of years ago to really encourage startups and entrepreneurs to commit to philanthropy at a very early stage rather than waiting till they got really big and really profitable to think about how they wanted to um, give back to really encourage founders and entrepreneurs to do that at, at the beginning stages by uh, committing 1% of their employees time to volunteering with nonprofits, 1% of their um, profits or equity to give back uh, in the form of grants to nonprofits and 1% uh, of their product uh, to donate to nonprofits if they, if they make something that nonprofits can use. So, um, so the Optimizely committed to that pledge uh, very early on, but didn't quite know how to implement it. They initially had a, um, a salesperson who was working on donating and discounting the software for nonprofits. And then they, uh, they brought me on, that person left and they brought me on to actually expand on that, to um, expand not only on the product donation program, but to really build out the other legs of the program, which are uh, employee volunteering, employee charitable giving, longer term partnerships with nonprofit organizations. And that's, that's what I've done. And can you also give a little background about what Optimizely is? Uh, sure, uh, Optimizely is, and it started out really as A-B testing software. If your listeners know what that is, it's basically a way to, um, to do experiments on your website uh, and get data in real time to see if little changes can make a difference in the things that you're trying to accomplish, whether that's selling a product or um, uh, distributing content or, raising money for a good cause. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, traditionally, websites have kind of run on, the, on a hunch basis. We have a hunch that people will, uh, will click here if we set up the page this way, if we create the content, the images this way. But with Optimizely, you can actually do real-time experiments and see, wow, if we actually um, have less content and more pictures, then more people buy these shoes. If we... Um, uh, if we have a, a button that says, uh, you know, uh, join the fight as, as opposed to donate now, we actually get more donations for our cause if it's a nonprofit. So that's really how uh, Optimizely started and it's grown from there. And we've recently uh, merged with uh, another company and are now have a full suite of um, uh, what they call a digital experience uh, platform. Uh, so it includes both uh, experimentation uh, as well as uh, uh, content management systems as well. Taking a step back and going back to when you first joined Optimizely and you're running this new social impact program, what was your initial vision for the program as well as what kind of goals or milestones did you want to see happen? You know, let's say in the first 60 to 90 days of actually being on the job and, and kind of trying to figure out how this is actually going to look for the company. <laughs> well, I didn't know what I was doing when I started. Uh, and so I fortunately reached out to people who had more experience than I did and had some good, uh, 
good mentors. Um, you know, my experience in the nonprofit sector and, and going back to my days in college as a, as a student activist, really, I came to this work from the perspective of a community organizer. Uh, some people come to uh, corporate social responsibility from lots of different paths, some from the nonprofit paths, some from um, within sort of the corporate ladder, whether that's in marketing or policy, sales even, uh, HR. But you know, I've always looked at this through a community organizing lens. Uh, when I worked uh, in HIV AIDS, it was really organizing the gay community around responding to this you know, unprecedented epidemic um, and trying to educate people and, uh, and uh, change behavior and uh, empower people to um, make healthier choices in their lives. When it comes to uh, CSR, corporate social responsibility, it's really, um, I've always looked at this as you know, an organizing challenge. You're trying to organize a community, in this case, employees of our company to um, really mobilize their time, their skills, their energy, uh, and the company's assets to you know, to make the world a better place, primarily focused on the local areas where we have offices. And so my immediate goals were to really get as many people involved as possible. Uh, and to do that, you know, I, it was clear to me very quickly that everybody has uh, a job. Everybody is really busy trying to do their job, whether they're an engineer or a salesperson or a finance person or a marketing person. And the, although they may uh, have a, a personal belief and commitment to wanting to give back to the community, it may not be on the top of their to-do list at work. So my challenge was to make it uh, easy for people to uh, say yes and to participate in the various things that I was developing. And so first thing I did was uh, uh, create a, have a set up a platform an online platform that made it really easy for people to sign up to volunteer to make a contribution to a charity that they cared about. Uh, because, um, uh, you know, if it, I learned <laughs> early on that, you know, these things, you need to be able to do this in a couple clicks, you know, in a, in a couple minutes, or people are not going to do it because they've got other things to do. So that was my first thing, making it easy. And then after that was just providing opportunities that people would want to say yes to. And on the charitable giving side, what that meant was not saying, hey, everybody, uh, we're, the company really wants everybody to donate to the, you know, the American Cancer Society, because that's what we think is a great cause. And it obviously is a great cause, but it may, may not be everybody's cause. People care about different things. Some people want to um, donate to environmental causes. Other people are really passionate about um, animal welfare. Other folks um, care about uh, education and youth. And, and so when we did fundraising campaigns and we encouraged people to, to think about giving something back of their um, hard-earned dollars, we just made it so that they could give to whatever they were passionate about. So we, we chose a platform that allowed them to give to pretty much every nonprofit in the US and many nonprofits um, abroad. So that was one way again of making, trying to get the participation to be very broad. It didn't matter to me so much how much people gave, they could give $5, uh, but if they gave to something, then they're, um, they're uh, getting in the habit 
of uh, giving money to charity. And hopefully as their uh, careers and their lives progress, it's a habit that will, um, they'll keep up throughout, uh, throughout their careers. And then the, the other way that I tried to build really a broad base of participation was through um, creating volunteer opportunities that again, were focused on a variety of issues, you know, going out and cleaning up a park or a waterway uh, for those who really cared about um, environmental issues, for ways to people, for folks to um, give back to students and, and young people in the community through, um, through school partnerships, through uh, volunteering with you know, the Boys and Girls Clubs. Uh, obviously in San Francisco where our headquarters has been, uh, homelessness is a huge issue. So lots of opportunities for folks to uh, participate in um, feeding programs, soup kitchens, um, uh, the food bank for folks who, who are food insecure. So just providing lots of different opportunities, some of them um, uh, in the middle of the day, some of them before work, some of them after work, some of them on the weekends, some of them, you know, just maybe an hour or two, others of them a full day. So just providing uh, things that uh, would appeal to a broad range of employees. And we, um, we really amp that up in, our, in the first year by doing um, something which a lot of companies do, which is a volunteer week. We called it Impact Week, and we just set up uh, dozens and dozens of opportunities across all the cities where we have offices. And really, I don't want to say um, pressured people, but uh, there definitely was kind of peer pressure because we wanted everybody to get into the act. Sometimes, oftentimes, lots of companies have volunteer programs, but often the participation isn't that great because it's like, uh, I'm busy. I don't really have time to do that. But we really... Um, it made it something that was expected. We had a 100% participation goal, and you know we got about 90%. And now it's 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 more like uh, 75 or 80% uh, as the years have gone on. But it's still incredibly high, uh, and that's something that we're really proud of, and then we hope to continue. So you mentioned um, the volunteer week. I feel like that's a really good strategy for companies who are just launching impact programs to incentivize people to get involved because it's not like, you know, it's not a volunteering event, you know, once a quarter or something like that. It's like, this is a full week where we're going to devote time to volunteering. And so people, when they, when they know that week is coming up, there's, I feel like there's more of an incentive, more, more motivation to actually participate because you know, okay, this is a full week of giving back. So it's, it's a, it's an interesting tactic. Totally. And, and we also um, employed a little, um, sort of uh, healthy competition. So I would uh, send out emails saying, okay, well, so, you know, with a week out and the, you know, only 40% of the, you know, engineering team has signed up, but, you know, 60% of the sales team. So, you know, who wants to win? And we actually ultimately ended up doing some prizes where the team uh, and the office with the highest participation would get to choose a nonprofit uh, and and the company would make a donation to it. So um, you know, there's a you know in the corporate culture, people love that sort of competition, and there's friendly rivalries between different uh, different teams and departments in a lot of companies. And as it relates to the volunteering activities that you had, did you initially do any type of survey, for example, to understand where people's interests were, 
or was your goal just to have a variety of different opportunities and just to see where people would actually gravitate towards? I did do a survey and um, not surprisingly, you know, interest was, was across the board in a lot of different issues. There were a number that, that rose to the top that weren't, again, weren't that surprising to me, as I mentioned, like environmental issues, uh, children and youth issues, poverty, and homelessness issues tended to be the, the biggest ones. Um, in our European offices, a little bit more interest in um, like international development and, um, and refugee assistance. So there was some variance there that did guide us somewhat in the types of opportunities that we, uh, that we sought out. And correct me if I'm wrong, but for the longest time, you've been the only person on the social impact team. If you, <laughs> So you've been a one-person show. And so you have offices in different locations. How do you manage that? How do you ensure that people are participating you know, across the world, for example? Um, and how do you encourage them? Like, what, What's the, the process that you go through to manage multiple, having offices in multiple locations? I am a, a mighty team of one. As, as we like to say, and, um, and that's not uncommon um, uh, in a lot of companies. I mean, there's certainly companies even bigger than Optimizely who don't have anyone in this role. And maybe they don't really do this kind of work or maybe they do it on more of a, you know, somebody just volunteers to try to organize some events, what have you. And then larger companies often have a number of people, but, but the CSR teams uh, are generally a pretty, small and lean. And what I've done to try to scale this work with just uh, one FTE is to um, recruit uh, volunteer employee ambassadors throughout the company. So I have uh, about 25 different ambassadors in uh, one or two for every department and one or two for every office. And they act, uh, they come together every year and they help me to plan the year and sort of brainstorm different activities and initiatives we could do. They, um, they I would say their primary role is kind of, um, well, they, they help to organize, especially outside of our headquarters. They do all the organizing of the events. So I don't know uh, what the um, local nonprofits are in Amsterdam or London, for example, um, or Sydney, but they, the local ambassadors do and they have those relationships. Um, but the, the biggest thing the ambassadors do is they're they're the cheerleaders, they're the ones that that speak at their um, at their team meetings and their office meetings, and uh, hype this stuff and really encourage people. They glad hand their coworkers and remind them to sign up for whatever we have going uh, at the time, and they they're just a way of spreading the uh, the enthusiasm about our programs and our initiatives back throughout the company because they're. Um, they're trusted voices. They know the managers. They know the employees in the different um, regions and can really um, be ambassadors, as the name suggests. And I wouldn't be able to do this work without them. And how did you find those ambassadors? Well, you know, I, I, when I first launched the program, I purposely designed it as something that was seen as a almost an honor to be selected. So you had to apply, you, still, you have to apply to become an ambassador, you have to fill out a questionnaire, you have to, you know, it's not uh, super uh, intensive, but you have to explain why it is that you're interested in doing this, what experience you've had 
uh, working uh, in uh, social impact, uh, volunteering with nonprofits. What ideas do you have to bring to the table? And, um, and then we select it. So it's a sort of a competitive program and uh, people always, you know, I think that makes it more desirable when people uh, know that it's, it's kind of a, an honor to be chosen. And, and, and it, we also put out there that it, it's an opportunity for people to take a leadership role for them to have developed certain um, sort of professional development uh, opportunities, whether it's in organizing events or public speaking at our all hands meeting or just becoming more visible in the company. I think that's a, it's a, it's a great selling point for folks. And we, we stress that it's not a huge time commitment, but they, we do expect them to, um, to do certain things to fulfill the role. It's another good strategy. So it's not necessarily like a free-for-all where, you know, anybody can necessarily, I guess, join, but you're really looking for people who have prior experience, but also can offer up new ideas, fresh ideas, and really have, or really want to put, really want to take this particular opportunity and run with it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the job, to be honest, just because, you know, as a team of one, um, it can get a little, little bit lonely, you know, especially so these days working from home. But uh, to have that uh, group of folks who will come together, who um, really share this passion for, for giving back uh, is, has just been a, a great experience for me. And I think for them to connect with people kind of cross-functionally in different departments and different offices who all share this, um, this passion. And they, they come up with ideas that I... Um, you know, wouldn't ever necessarily have thought of on my own. A couple of years ago, many of them were really uh, talked about their passion about the environment. And we ended up creating a whole separate um, group at the company called the Green Team, which is, which is just focused on environmental sustainability. And they've spun off and they do a lot of educational programs for employees. They um, have spearheaded a lot of policy changes and um, uh, new practices in the company that, that uh, make the operations uh, more um, green and things like uh, working with the marketing department to, um, to uh, get the, the marketing swag that we buy to give out at conferences to have that be more sustainable and be things that people aren't just gonna, we aren't just gonna order from China and have them shipped and give them out and people throw them away, but things that people will actually use and reuse and that are made in environmentally sustainable ways um, and often give back by, you know, buy a water bottle and will, you know, contribute to building a well in Africa or, um, you know, uh, these t-shirts are actually produced uh, in a print shop that employs formerly incarcerated people. So ways that are giving both socially responsible and environmentally sustainable. So the ambassadors come up with just terrific ideas and they've done a number of these sort of things that have spun off on their own. So I just want to highlight the fact that, so whenever I have events or I talk about social impact programs with people, they always ask in one way or, or another, do you ever see social impact teams growing in size? Because like you said, a lot of teams are small. Usually it's one person or maybe a handful of people, but you have found a way to essentially scale your efforts by tapping into employees who have a deep passion for social impact, although it may not be their primary role. I just wanted to highlight that. 
Um, you know, I would love to have more staff, <laughs> and uh, one day I hope to. Um, but uh, you know, you you there there is a lot that that you can do as a team of one if you if you bring other people on board. And and I talked about the ambassadors, but one of the things that um, that I've focused on over the last few years is what I call this uh, philosophy of um, uh, social impact built in and not just bolted on. And what I mean by that is when I first got the program going, I was basically bolting on things to the company. So, you know, the, the impact week, you know, is one week out of the year where everybody focuses on volunteering. We do a big charitable giving campaign at the end of the year called Opt to Give, which is two weeks where everybody's focused on giving to charity. Um, and those are basically bolted on to the regular schedule. But to really scale the program, I really needed to figure out more and more ways to build in social impact into the regular business of the company. And, and what, what that's looked like is the, I mentioned at the outset, the um, product discounting. So really working with the, the sales and the marketing and the customer success teams to get our software into the hands of nonprofits because we have, uh, when, when nonprofits are able to use Optimizely to do these tests on their website, they, ended up, they end up making tons more money in contributions for their cause. Um, you know, tens of millions of dollars of extra revenue generated every year by just doing these little tests and tweaks to their um, online content. So, um, so really engaging the, you know, the go-to-market teams around getting them to be more successful at getting the product to nonprofits, discounting it so that they can afford to, to use it, and then helping them to use it successfully. So that's been one way of building it into the business. I also I mentioned a moment ago about um, uh, the marketing swag. So get, you know, if, if we're going to buy t-shirts anyway, if the t-shirts can be produced, if we're going to pay somebody to print t-shirts, let's pay this company that's employing formerly incarcerated people and giving them a second chance on success in life. There are um, just, uh, you know, so many ways that we can build this into the culture. You know, how, um, how do we, um, how is HR folks who are reaching out to potential uh, employees, to, uh, job candidates, how are they uh, using this social impact as a, as a selling point to get people who have that passion to join the company. So we really try to think of ways that every uh, department in the company can use these things. How does the marketing team use, uh, you know, convey to the world that um, Optimizely is committed to, um, you know, to making the world a better place? And how does that help strengthen the brand? Because these days, brands everywhere are realizing that People prefer to buy from companies whose values are consistent with their own, from, from companies that they think are doing good things in the world and aren't uh, out there, uh, you know, exploiting their workers and despoiling the environment and doing bad things, uh, but really using their, uh, their assets to, uh, to do good in the world. One last question before I let you go. How has COVID-19 impacted your social impact program, more specifically on the volunteer side of things? Well, not surprisingly, it's had a huge impact uh, with teams all over the world working from home. The, you know, one of the real benefits of 
volunteering in a corporate setting, obviously there are benefits to the nonprofit that you partner with and in the, the ways that you help them pursue their mission, but there are real tangible benefits to the employees and just getting out of, uh, you know, the office used to be the office um, and joining together with other people from different parts of the company that they may not ordinarily interact with and doing something together uh, that um, gives a sense of satisfaction. And that's all been upended with, with COVID. We have pivoted as many companies have to virtual volunteering and we've had some success there. We've had a long-term partnership with schools where we've adopted schools and there we've done, you know, instead of going into the classroom and helping, we've done virtual events where like a virtual career day for students, or um, we've done virtual read-alouds where employees will videotape themselves reading a children's book and send that out to the parents of the school. So there are definitely ways that, we, um, that we've pivoted and done some virtual volunteering. We've also used our more technical employees to help parents and teachers navigate this new world of online learning, which is, can be really challenging just to, you know, get on Zoom or figure out some of these other uh, learning platforms that folks at the different districts use. So we've uh, pivoted in that way. I would be dishonest if I were to say that, you know, it's just as good because it's not. And there's definitely something lost. And we are really eager to get back to in-person volunteering and hopeful, hopeful that we'll be able to do that later this year. The uh, interesting thing that's happened though with, with COVID as, as we've, um, we haven't done as much volunteering, but we've ended up, employees have donated much more money. So because they haven't been able to get out and get their hands dirty, um, you know, uh, cleaning up the, the, the parks or really um, engage in a hands-on way, in giving back, they've much, been much more motivated to uh, to give monies to help nonprofits. So many of our nonprofit partners uh, have been struggling to to make this transition. Uh, organizations that used to depend a lot on volunteers just haven't been able to do that in the age of COVID. So they are struggling, and we've really tried to pivot with them and and try to be as flexible as possible to help them. But in a lot of cases. Um, you know, we've just been able to, to send more resources their way, more financial resources. So we ended up, you know, over the spring and summer, uh, having the, the biggest quarter ever in the history of the company in terms of employee charitable giving, um, raising money for food banks uh, in the early days of the epidemic, raising money for the CDC and the World Health Organization. Uh, obviously over the summer with the Black Lives Matter, uh, movement, uh, raising a ton of money for racial justice organizations. Um, so uh, that's, you know, there's just sort of been a, a downside and an upside to, uh, to COVID-19 and how it's impacted our programs. And, uh, and we are, um, we'll continue to spin out more and hopefully uh, more engaging virtual volunteering opportunities this year. But as I said, we are really um, uh, excited about being able to get back to doing more of the in-person volunteering. I, like you, cannot wait to start volunteering again in person. That's something that I've been missing over the last eight, nine months or so. So I look forward to that as well. So with that, John, thank you so much for joining me and offering up your insights and giving us a glimpse inside of optimizing social impact program.
thank you so much for having me and congratulations on your inaugural podcast and best of luck for many, many more. This episode is brought to you by Social Impact World, the exclusive community for social impact leaders. To learn more, go to www.socialimpactworld.com. I'm Jeremy Brown, and thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Behind the Impact.